Good morning. It is so good to be here with you today. I have been looking forward to this for a while. When Brother Tony asked me about coming, I was excited to have the opportunity. Of course, the Bybee Branch Congregation is one of the churches that has been supporting GBN from almost day one. There's just a few of them that are in that category, and this is one of the congregations. And in addition to that, there are a number of individuals in this congregation that support GBN as well. And I am so thankful to have the opportunity to thank you in person. In the Bible class hour, I'm going to say some more about GBN, but so we will save that until that time. I greatly appreciate the theme that you are having here at Bybee Branch and this summer series. In fact, I was looking over some of the topics, and it sounds like it is really going to be a great series. You've got some great topics. You've got some great speakers. My specific assignment this morning is the church at war with the world. And my uh, assignment is basically an introduction to this series, and I was thinking about it, and I thought for a long time there are so many different areas we could cover because the world is broad. The attacks that are being made on the church is broad. It's like we are spread so thin because we are being attacked here and here and here and here. And I thought, where do I even begin on a subject like this? This is such a a difficult subject to tackle. And so what we're going to do this morning is a little bit out of the ordinary. We're going to talk about a man who dabbled in this world. We're going to talk about a man who uh, uh, um, looked at a lot of things that this world has to offer. He toyed with a lot of the pleasures of this world. He tasted the sins of this world, and then he tells us his story. So I want to begin this morning. I want you to envision in your mind an old man. I want you to envision a man who is full of regret. I want you to envision a man who looks back over his life knowing that he has wasted much of it, a man who has squandered the years A man who's not very much unlike many people in the world today who spend their years searching for something to to fill the void in their lives, trying to find something to remove the emptiness and and finally bring them happiness in this world, but, but they're never able to grasp it. Our study this morning is going to come from the book of Ecclesiastes, and the old man that we're going to talk about is Solomon. I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Ecclesiastes. I want you to turn to the last chapter, which is chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse number 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 1. I want you to picture, envision this. I want you to see this old man, and I want you to, to envision the regret and the pain that he is feeling for the lost years that he can't get back, for the years that he did not serve the Lord. And then with that in mind, let's begin reading this. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. Solomon says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh. What he is saying is, young people, listen to me. Listen to me while you are still young. Listen to me while you still have your whole life ahead of you. Listen to me before the evil days come and your body is worn out and and, and the years are drawing to an end and you are sitting back and saying, I have no pleasure in them. I'm hurting. I'm aching. My desire is gone. You know, this this, uh, body has changed. He says, listen to me before you get in the shape that I am in and the years are gone and you too sit back filled with regret. Now, somebody might say, how did Solomon get in this situation? Where, where did the years go? You know, I remember reading about Solomon as a young man, and, and he chose the wisdom of God, and it seemed like he was making some good choices. How did this happen? 
All right? Now I want you to roll back the clock of your mind. You know how a movie sometimes will kind of fade and it goes back to an earlier time? I want you to do that in your mind. I want you to fade back to the earlier time when Solomon is a young man. He's a young man who has his whole life ahead of him, but there's something that's missing. There's an emptiness inside of him. There is a, a void. There's, there's a peace, a, a happiness, a, a fulfillment, a purpose that is not there. And he is searching this world, trying to find what to do about it. Friends, that is the book of Ecclesiastes. What is the purpose of this book? The purpose of the book of Ecclesiastes is to show us that everything is vanity except for God and his commandments. And Solomon is sharing with us his knowledge on this, this subject. Now, sure, the book is written by inspiration, but you know what? Solomon knows these things firsthand. You know, it seems like this book, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it seems like this book was written for our generation. And that's the power of the Word of God. It is always able to do that. It is always relevant to people of every age. And so when we study this book and we examine these lessons, I want you to see what Solomon has to say to young people of every generation. Now let's begin. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I want you to go back to the beginning of the book. We looked at the old book, at the end of the book when he's an old man. Now we roll it back to when he's a young man. Let's start with Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And he's going to set the stage for the things that he actually actually does in his life. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1, let's read it. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. This is Solomon saying, I have tried it all, and he says it is nothing but emptiness. This world has nothing to offer. It doesn't make you happy. It can't fulfill you. It can't give you purpose. Drop down to verse 9 and look at the relevancy of this book. He says, The thing that hath been done is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. Now listen to this. And there is no new thing under the sun. Solomon says there is nothing new out there. You know, I think when we think about the warfare we have as Christians today and the battles that we are fighting, I think sometimes we think, well, this is new. We are fighting new battles. We've, we've got new stuff, you know, because of the Internet and television. We think that sexual temptation is new to us. We are facing new sexual temptations that previous generations have not. Sometimes I hear people say things like, you know, how are we going to deal with the millennials? You know, we've got these young kids coming up, and the world is different now. You know, we're just going to have to change our approach. We're going to have to alter our preaching. The Bible just doesn't cut it anymore. You ever hear people say things like that? Friends, that is absolutely nonsense. Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. I'm telling you that God was wise enough to give us a book that is relevant to every age. It meets the challenges for every generation. And the things that Solomon experienced in his life are exactly the things that we're facing today. And as we go through these, this is the reason we're choosing this to set the stage for this study because we're going to go through a number of different challenges that Solomon faced, the warfare that he went through in his life, and what we're going to see is it is exactly the same thing that people are dealing with in the year 2015. Solomon says it has all been tried before, but every generation comes along and repeats the cycle. Every generation thinks that they have those people who think it's something new. They think that this world can fulfill them. Solomon says, I have been one of those people. I have tried it, and I don't want you to learn the way that I learned it. Listen to me and learn from me. Solomon is a philosopher. 
He has looked at life and he says there is nothing worthwhile. There is nothing in this world that makes sense. Finally, as a result of all of that, he says, I hate life. Look at chapter seventeen of, or, or, or chapter 2 and verse 17. Listen to what Solomon says. Therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me and all is vanity. Solomon says, I hate life. I have found that life has no meaning. It has no purpose. And friends, separate and apart from God, no one ever will find purpose. That is the point of this book. All right. Let's get into the meat of this lesson. What I want to do is to notice some lessons that Solomon gives us concerning his search for purpose, his search for happiness. He tried everything this old world has to offer, and when he gets to the end, he says it's not there. We're going to notice a number of different things. All of them start with the letter W. Here's the first one. Number one, Solomon says that he tried wisdom. That is, maybe in a lot of knowledge. Maybe in secular education, maybe there I will find the answers to the problems of this life. And Solomon made that his goal for a long time. That is, if he could just learn more, maybe he could solve the problems of this world. But, but it didn't work that way. And you know, we've got a generation of people who think that today, that if they could just learn more, they would have all the answers. But friends, I don't know if we've ever been more knowledgeable than we are today. I also don't know if we've ever had greater problems than we do today. You see, secular education alone, Solomon found out, that is not the answer. Now, Solomon is a wise man. All you've got to do is read the book. You'll see that he knows all about the field of biology. He knows about psychology. He knows about astronomy. He knows about philosophy. No doubt he was a great admirer and lover of art and music. He is a man who is knowledgeable and skilled, but in spite of his educational achievements, he says, I didn't find the purpose there. In fact, he says, in much wisdom, there is much grief. In chapter 12 and verse 12, we had uh, read uh, just a moment ago, of the making of many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness to the flesh. And so Solomon says, I delved into the philosophy and wisdom of, of this world, thinking maybe that's where the answers are. I tried secular education, he says, but that didn't satisfy me. And friends, if that is your highest goal in life, it's not going to satisfy you either. Sure, you may go to school and you might get a Ph.D. and you may have a lot of knowledge, but this is, this is the key. Worldly knowledge has to be in subjection to biblical truth. Otherwise, you become what Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 22 when he said, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I noticed that next week you've got Brother David, David Light coming to talk about postmodernism. Postmodernism is the skeptical interpretation of culture and literature and art and philosophy and music and economics and, and literary criticism. And that is, these are the intellectuals. They are the people who think they are wise. They've got a new way of looking at things. Friends, I want to tell you it's not new. They are not wise. It's not that, that they have figured this thing out. Solomon says, I went down that path. I thought that I had the answers. I thought that in the intellectual elite, that is where the answer was. And he said, I determined that's not it. It's, it's not there. But Solomon says, I tried that. I tried wisdom. But number two, here's a second thing that Solomon tried. Number two, he tried wit or humor. Wit or, or, or humor. Look at the verses one and two of chapter two. Listen to what he says. He says, in my heart, I said, go to now and I will prove thee with mirth. 
Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. And I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? Now, what is Solomon saying here? He says, well, I've been too serious. You know, I've been delving into to intellect and books and reading, and I've been taking myself too seriously. I need to have a little fun. I need to give myself to, to pleasure. Maybe that's what the answer is. And so he says, I tried humor. I tried wit. I tried laughter. But he didn't find the answers there either. Now, somebody says, preacher, you're saying there's something wrong with humor? No, I'm not saying that at all. You know, humor can be very beneficial at the appropriate time. But, you know, there are some things and some times when we need to wipe the smile off of our face and we need to look at life very soberly and very seriously. You know, sometimes you can sit in the, the worship assembly or sometimes the preacher can stand here and look out over the audience and you will see people laugh. Sometimes you'll see people cut up, particularly during the invitation song. People will be silly acting. And, you know, I think the reason they do that is because they don't want to face what is being offered at that time. They don't want to face the invitation song. They don't want to face the change that God requires them to make in their lives, and so they just want to be flippant about it. They want to be silly about it. They, they want to, to laugh and get others to laugh with them. They don't want to think soberly about where their souls might spend eternity. You know another reason why people laugh? Another re reason why people laugh is because they are hurting inside. You know, sometimes people will laugh at other people and they will mock other people to hide their own pain. They think that humor is somehow going to take care of their problem. I heard a story about a man who went to see the doctor. And he told the doctor, he said, Doctor, you have got to help me. He said, I am so depressed. I have no happiness in my life. Life has no purpose. Life has no meaning. I don't know what to do. I don't even want to continue living. I am that sad within. And the doctor said to the man, he said, Sir, I can't help you. I can't give you a prescription for that. He said, But I've got an idea. He said, There is something I have in mind. He said, The circus is in town. I went last night. And he said, There is a clown down there that you have got to see. He said, That clown will make you laugh. You will not believe it. You will come away feeling so good. He said, You will be hurting with laughter. That's what you need to do. You need to go to the circus and you need to see the clown. And the man said, I can't do that. And the doctor said, sure you can. Just go down there. You will see. And, and the man said, doctor, you don't understand. I can't do that. I am that clown. I am the clown. On the outside, he looked like he was so happy. He made other people laugh. But despite that, deep down inside, he was empty. Deep down inside, he was lacking something that laughter and wit and humor can't feel. Yes, laughter is good. The same Solomon told us, a merry heart doeth good like medicine, Proverbs 17 and verse 22. But that's not what life is all about. Solomon says, I tried wisdom. I tried to be amongst the intellectually elite, and that didn't do it. He said, well, then I tried a little silliness. I tried some humor, and, and I thought I'd, I'd have fun. He said, that didn't do it. Here's a third thing that Solomon tried. And this is one of the things we've got to fight in the world in which we live today. Number three, Solomon says, I tried wine. Look at chapter 2 and verse 3. Solomon says, I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold to folly, till I might see what was good for the sons of men, which they should do under heaven all the days of their life. What is he saying here? Well, maybe I can drown my sorrows in alcohol. Friends, how many people want to do that? 
You know, maybe the bottle is the answer. Maybe I can find the, the, find, find the answer, the solution in the bottom of the bottle. But the problem is, once you've allowed yourself to drink that stuff, and once you've allowed yourself to be drunken, you still have the same problem. In fact, you've got more problems now. It doesn't solve the problem. The answer is not in alcohol. But Solomon says he tried that, and yet in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1, he tells us wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Brethren, what more warning can the Lord give us? Alcohol is wrong internally, externally, and eternally. It will destroy your soul, and it will not solve your problem. And I'll tell you something. If you are a person who is traveling that kind of road today, you've got real problems. And young ladies and young men, if you are entertaining the thought of having a relationship with somebody like that, you need to get out of it right now because you are going to be miserable if you've got to live with that kind of stuff. And i tell you something, if there was ever anything that was unchristlike, it is the behavior of a drunkard. Well, Solomon says, I tried it. I gave myself over to alcohol, at least for a time, he says, but I realized it didn't solve my problem. It didn't bring me happiness. It didn't give me meaning or purpose. That, that which I was searching for, I was still empty. So he says, I tried something else. He tried something else that people today think is the answer. This is another one of the battles that we have to have, and I see that you've got a lesson coming up on this. Number four, he says, I tried wealth. I see you've got a lesson in just a few weeks on materialism. I think in two weeks, David Fuqua is coming to, to talk about that. Solomon says, I tried wealth. So many people today think that if they could just reach a certain level financially, they'll be happy. If I just had more money, if I could have more things, if I could have more... If I could move into that house, I would be happy. That's all I need. If I have that, I'd be happy. But you know what? They move into that house and they're not happy. They think, if I could just get that car, I would be, you know, I'm going to save up and I'll get that, and when I get it, I'll be happy. But, but they're not happy. Solomon said, that's not the answer. Listen to this, verse 4. Solomon says, I made me great works, and I builded me houses, and I planted me vineyards, and I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees and all of them with all kinds of fruits. I made pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees, and I got me servants and maidens, and I had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of, of cattle above all them that were in Jerusalem before me. He is a rich, rich man. He said, I had gardens, and I had vineyards, and I had servants, and I had houses, and I had gold and silver. Listen to verse 8. And I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces, and I got me men singers and women singers. He could have had a concert right there in his backyard. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men of musical instruments and that of all sorts so that I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Here is a man who was rich. In fact, he said, I was the richest. If you think the answer is in wealth, if you think that the answer is in having these things, Solomon says, there was nobody richer than me. And yet that didn't bring me satisfaction. I watch a show on television sometimes called Shark Tank. And it's a, a television program where people will come before these rich business people 
and they will pitch their idea. They'll have a, a product, and they'll say, we'd like to sell our product, and, and these people that are listening to them are millionaires. Some of them are, are billionaires, and then they'll decide, do we want to invest in it? We'll give you, you know, half a million dollars, and we'll buy your product or whatever it is. But people have looked at these folks on Shark Tank who are millionaires and billionaires, and they have said that they have reached it. You know, they are a success in life. Surely they're happy. Surely they know what life is all about. And yet I just read an article recently about one of those men, those rich, wealthy businessmen on Shark Tank. It said that he was visiting a, a pastor, a denominational pastor, because he was con co considering committing suicide. He was just miserable. He's unhappy in life. You see, people think the answer is in having a lot of money. Here's an example of this man who is very, very wealthy, and he says, I'm miserable. I'm thinking about killing myself. Solomon says, nobody was richer than I was. And he said, that's not the answer. It left me feeling empty. So many people have believed the lie that in materialism, in things, in possessions, I will be happy. I want you to ask yourself the question this morning, how wealthy are you? How wealthy are you? I want you to take away everything that money can buy and everything that death will take away from you. And what are you left with? Everything that money can buy and everything that you will lose at death, what are you left with? Your soul. That's how wealthy you are. That's something we need to think about. That's all that really matters. It is just my soul. And that's why the Bible spends so much time pointing out the necessity of guarding my soul above all things. Solomon says, I tried materialism. I tried wealth, but it didn't satisfy me. In fact, listen to this, Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10. He says, he that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. What is he saying? If a person thinks that having silver is going to make him happy is not going to. If he thinks that having abundance is going to make him happy, he says, is not going to. That's why John D. Rockefeller, who at one time at the turn of the century was, uh, was the richest man on the face of the planet. On one occasion, he was interviewed, and the man interviewing Mr. Rockefeller said to him, Mr. Rockefeller, you are already a billionaire. How much more is it going to take to make you happy? His answer was, just a little bit more, right? Just a little bit more. What is he has billions, already the richest person on the planet, and he says he wants more. You know why? Because billions don't satisfy. And that's exactly what Solomon is saying. You will not find the answer there. Number five, here's a fifth thing that Solomon tried. That is wantonness. And by that, I simply mean immorality. Listen to verse 10. Solomon says, and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not back from them. I withheld not from my heart any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all labor, and this was my portion of all of my labor. Now listen to these words again. Solomon says, whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not back from them, whatever I wanted. Solomon says, anything I wanted to do, Anything I wanted to buy, anywhere I wanted to go, any pleasure that I wanted to indulge in, he says, I did it. Now, sometimes people think, well, you know, if I could just have fun, if I could just engage in these desires and these pleasures, that would satisfy me. Solomon says, I withheld, not, I, I withheld back nothing. Any single desire I had, I indulged it. I'm telling you, he took this to the nth degree as far as a person can take it. You want to know what a good definition of sin is? A good definition of sin is this statement. 
I'm going to do what I want to do. Selfishness. I'm going to do my own thing. But friends, I want to tell you something. Giving in to your own wants and lust is not the way to have happiness in life. It is not going to bring you pleasure. I notice that Paul Sane is going to be talking about the subject of lust of the flesh in July here on y'all series. This is not a new thing. Lust of the flesh, Solomon dealt with this. Now, you think about it. Solomon says, any desire that I had, I indulged it. The Bible tells us that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines, according to 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 3. Why is that? You ever thought about that? Why did he have so many wives and concubines? I know part of it was political, but I think part of it was this. Solomon was looking to different women. He was looking to sexual desires to find a cure for his emptiness. He thought, you know, I want that woman. I'm going to have her. He says, I did not hold back anything. Whatever desire I wanted, I had it. Sometimes people today get that way. Sometimes a man today will think that he can find happiness if he could just have this other woman. And he will throw away his marriage and he will go after this other woman. And you know what? He's not happy. Many a young person has done this same thing. Many a young girl has sacrificed her purity on the altar of a young boy's lust. Why? Because she's looking for happiness. Because she wants somebody to tell her that he loves her. One young Christian girl said that she had a friend who was not a Christian. This, this young girl was, was very worldly, in fact. And her non-Christian friend said to her, she said to this Christian girl, I can't believe how stuck up you are. You see, this worldly girl was quite proud of the fact that she would go out with as many boys as would take her out and, and the fact that she slept around and did things of that nature. She, she, she was actually proud of that. And she mocked her friend who was a Christian because she wouldn't do those things. And she said, you, you don't know what you're missing in life. You need to have a little fun. And finally, when the Christian girl could not take it anymore, she looked her friend in the eyes and said, let me tell you something. At any time I want to, I can become like you, but never again can you become like me. And you know that's true in the sense of regaining that purity that she wants. She can be forgiven. And she can be a child of God, but she can never regain the purity that she once had. Solomon says, I tried wantonness. I engaged every lust and want that this world has, every desire I had. I gave into it, and he said, I came up empty, and you know what? I hate life. And then Solomon tried a sixth thing that, that did not bring him happiness, something that a lot of people today try. Number six, Solomon tried work. He tried work. He, that is, maybe that's the purpose in life. I will just work hard. How many people today have immersed themselves in their work, in their job, in building their business because they think that that's what life is all about? Listen to chapter 2 and verse 11. Solomon says, Then I looked on all the works that my hands have wrought and on all the labor that I labored to do, and behold, this too was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there is no profit under the sun. Solomon says, I looked at all the things I built, I looked at all my work and accomplished, Accomplishments, and he says, I was discouraged because I realized I'm going to die and it's going to go to somebody else. He said, this too is emptiness. It amounts to nothing. And so, friends, if your career, if your career is your chief goal in life, then you have your priorities messed up. Now, sure, it might occupy your time, but it's not going to bring you happiness. Solomon says, I worked hard, and yet I was missing the purpose of life. 
Solomon says, I've tried all of these things. They have left me empty. You can understand why he said, I hate life. But then he tried one more thing. Number seven, Solomon said he tried worship. When he tried everything else that this world had to offer and it left him empty, then Solomon turned to God. And it is only then that he realizes his true purpose in life. Friends, I've got to tell you, I expect to see Solomon in heaven one day. Because even though he wasted much of his life in sin, here in the last chapter of the book, in chapter 12, he shares with us his realization. Listen what he says. I've tried everything else. And then he says this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. I've told you about all the things i tried. All this world has to offer. All the warfare the devil is attacking us with. I have indulged in all of it. He said, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. The King James says whole duty. The word duty is not in the original. Literally it says this, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. This is the entirety of man. This is what it is all about. It is only then that Solomon recognizes his purpose in life. You know, Bruce Jenner is all over the news right now. You know, he is an Olympic gold medal winner, a man who decided that he wanted to be a woman. Now, somebody says, well, Don, you said there's nothing new under the sun. Certainly, that's a new problem. You know, what's going on with Bruce Jenner? That, that, that's new stuff. I'm telling you, that's not new stuff. I'm telling you, the case with Bruce Jenner is a case of an unhappy man who is searching for what this world cannot give him. He tried fame, he tried money, he had athletic prowess, he had the admiration of the masses, but it gave him no fulfillment. He still had a void inside of him. Now he thinks if he could only be a woman, he will find it. You see, Solomon says, I tried this, it didn't work, and I tried this, and I tried this, and I tried this, and I just kept going down the line, searching this world for what it has to offer. I'm telling you, that's what's going on with Bruce Jenner. He thinks, I can find happiness, and now he comes up with this crazy solution. I'm a man, but if I were a woman, I would only be happy. I'm telling you, he won't be. Maybe you're here this morning, and you have been searching this world. Maybe you've been looking for what it has to offer you, and maybe the devil's been attacking you with wine, saying that's the answer. Maybe the devil's been attacking you with with wisdom and saying that's the answer. Maybe he's been attacking you with, with wantonness, that is immorality, and telling you you will be happy if you do this. I'm telling you, it is not the answer. Maybe this morning Solomon's life sounds a lot like yours. Maybe you have emptiness in your heart. Maybe you have been searching for a solution. Solomon says, I have been there, and I want you to learn from my experience The only answer is in the Lord. If you are here today and you are not a New Testament Christian, you need to know you will never find satisfaction in this old world. The only satisfaction, the only joy that you will ever truly know is in Christianity because that is truly where we find the peace that passes all understanding. The way you become a child of God is first by hearing the gospel, then by believing it repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, and being immersed in water, baptized in water for the remission of your sins. Acts 2.47 says the Lord will then add you to his church, and if you will be faithful for the remainder of your days, you will find a home in heaven 
eternally. Now, maybe you say, I have never heard anything like that before. We would be delighted to sit down and study with you, open the Bible, and show you book, chapter, and verse of what you need to do to become a Christian. Maybe you're here and you say, I I have heard that. I know what to do, and I'm ready to do it. For some reason, I've been holding back, but I'm ready to do it today. We would be delighted to take your confession today and baptize you for the remission of your sins. Maybe you're here as a child of God, but for some reason you have ceased walking in the light. Maybe you have been dabbling in this world again, looking for happiness. And maybe you say, it's time that I return to the Lord. Maybe you want to come forward today and ask for the prayers of your brethren on your behalf, and we would count it an honor to go to God and pray for you. This morning, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, won't you come as together we stand and sing the invitation song.